Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Elite Seller Show. Today's guest is McLean Warren. Now, McLean is, if you haven't heard of her, you probably haven't spent enough time on Clubhouse, but I recommend that you hop over there and you start listening to her. Uh, we're going to be covering copywriting, speaking to your audience uh, with, her, with a unique defined active language. Uh, an active voice and uh, McLean. She's actually with the right buzz. She is the head copywriter over at elite seller. And she's going to tell us the best ways to truly capture the attention of your audience with thumb stopping copywriting alongside with the importance of selling benefits over features and how the ROI of copywriting is calculated in the Amazon game. So with that being said, I'm going to let McLean Warren take it off from here. Oh, wow. Um, where do I begin? Um, a little bit about my background. I have always loved writing. It's always been something I've wanted to do, and I'm fortunate that I can do it for a living. Um, I started off in the Amazon sector or sector. I don't know what sector means. Um, <laughs> don't trust me as a copywriter. I don't even know the right word. But anyway, I started off in the sector um, about six years ago. I started off as a listing optimization writer. And from there, I started my own Amazon marketing company. And from there, I realized I wanted to branch out from just Amazon-focused content. So now I own The Right Buzz, which specializes in blogging, web content. We still do listing optimizations and stuff, but really anything that you need for marketing, press releases, all that kind of stuff, we do it all. So um, it's fun because I get to try new formats, which keeps it really exciting as opposed to just being on Amazon and writing listing optimizations. So it's been a challenge, but it's been really, really fun. So what are the new spaces that you're writing in right so now? So mostly we get, it's funny because it wasn't really designed to start off like this, but um, our company really has catered more to other high level people in the Amazon community. So whereas I started thinking I would be doing mostly copywriting for, you know, the average seller, someone starting a business, which we still do. Most of my clients come from people like you or Elite Seller or um, many other people that um, own services in the Amazon industry. So that's been a really fun and different experience. And we specialize mostly, or at least like the services that were mostly requested are blogging and web content and some marketing stuff for Facebook and creative stuff. So speaking of blogging, why is blogging even still important because it kind of like fell to the wayside for a bit. It was really popular, then it died down, then blogging came out. Now blogging's seeing a resurgence. Why is the why is blogging important for people that sell on e-com? It's important to establish yourself as a thought leader in the community. And while videos and podcasts and webinars can do that, I think at the end of the day, a lot of people do just like to read at their own will and it adds more color to your website and most importantly, it provides quality SEO for you to be found on Google searches and other platforms. So it's kind of a threefold thing that actually also allows you to establish your voice so I think they're important still. I know a lot of people think that the written word is, like you said, it's kind of falling to the wayside because people are so image driven and video driven. And that's very accurate. But at the end of the day, even if you are focusing more on images, for example, 
you're still going to need people to provide quality infographics that really stand out and make people take notice and relay information in a fun, unique, and thumb-stopping way, as you said earlier. So let's let's talk a little bit about that, the thumb-stopping tactics. Like, what is really going to make somebody actually take the time to actually dive in deep? How, how do you go about doing storytelling with your blogs? So I think there's a few mistakes people make. One is that a lot of people don't utilize the introduction in the right way. So a lot of people, they'll start your their blogs with an introduction that I would say 95% of the blogs are incredibly bland and boring. It's almost like they're trying to set up the rest of the content that they're going to be talking about, which is fine. You want to establish what you're going to be talking about. But because people's attention span is so short in this day and age, you want to get them right off of the first sentence or two, right? Like you want something that like makes them go, oh, like I know exactly what this is going to be about. And I'm really excited to read that. And I don't feel like most people utilize those first few sentences in an introduction in a proactive way that actually gets people excited to read the rest of your blog. So I would say that's like one of the biggest mistakes people make. And then I would also say people often try to fill up space with words to either make themselves sound more um, dominant in the field or more knowledgeable, or they think really long sentences with really flowery content is going to make them look more impressive and professional. But the reality is that you really want to convey your point in a concise and somewhat quick manner. That's not to suggest that you shouldn't use some flowery adjectives or sentences, but at the end of the day, you can take, and and I've done it so many times where people have come to me with their content and they'll have like a string of words, like sentences that just drag on and on and they can cut half of that out and get right to the point and make the same exact point in a more concise way that makes readers understand it better and it actually results in when people can understand it better and they can read it quicker and get the point faster there's more likely a conversion like it'll convert more highly than if you try to overly impress your audience with like i said really flowery language and long sentences Yeah, it's not Shakespearean writing. We're over here talking about products and services. So that does definitely make sense. Now, with that being said, when it comes down to blogging for these businesses, whether they're Amazon sellers or they're just somebody that has an e-com store or e-com brand, what's your take on quality versus quantity? Uh, Is it more blogs that are more concise or less blogs that are more concise? Like, how do you go and navigate that route if somebody wants to go down this path? It kind of depends on the business and their goals. I pretty much in anything in life would say quality is better than quantity. I think that, I guess I don't want to say any names to pick on any big software companies in the industry, but um, there's one I can think of that produces blogs like every two days. And I feel like the content just isn't up to par with what it could be. And they're kind of catering to a baseline audience. Whereas if they really paid attention to the content they're putting out, instead of focusing on quantity, 
they could put out stuff that people are more likely to read. Because if you, for example, are subscribed to a newsletter or a blog or something, and you're getting messages constantly of, oh, this blog is out and uh, you should read it, and you're getting these like three times a week, there's way less of a chance people are going to actually read it. But if you put something out like every, let's say, week or every two weeks, and when they read it, they realize that it really delves into a lot of the serious issues with anything relating to e-commerce. I think that you are more likely to retain your audience. And the more blogs you put out there, the more um, people are receptive to them. Yeah, it almost sounds like the biggest challenges with some of these companies is primarily either being superficial with the content and just kind of doing a shotgun approach to just have information being put out there versus actually going deep into topics that people want to hear and want to read about. Right. They're just fillers. I mean, that's how I see it. And yeah, it might help with SEO in some regards, but at the end of the day, you know, your purpose for SEO is to be found, right? But at the end of the day, you're selling to an audience and those are actual people that are purchasing your service or products. So you want to make sure that before the keywords and SEO, and this applies to Amazon listings and stuff as well. You want to make sure that you aren't losing your actual audience. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. You obviously want to keep your audience. So uh, I think a really cool way that you've mentioned on how to keep the audience is by speaking with an active voice. Would you mind diving in deep about that? Because I'm not too sure like everybody that's listening right now knows what an active voice is when it comes to copyright. Yeah, it's actually one of my favorite topics and something that's like high in my priorities when it comes to writing blogs for anyone or listing optimizations or any kind of content. So what happens often is people, and this actually kind of ties into features and benefits. So I'm going to kind of talk about active and passive voice and then make the comparison to benefits and features. I often use the analogy of selling a recliner chair. Okay. So say your company sells recliner chairs. It's very easy to get in the habit of saying something like, this recliner chair is super soft. It's made with high quality fabric, you know, naming the features, but you're, you're naming the features through adjectives, right? Like you're literally saying it's soft, it's comfortable. Like the fabric's nice. Non-flammable. Right. Well, hopefully it's <laughs> if your house burns down, you'll still have this chair. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> But people don't react emotionally to adjectives very often. So what I like to do is use an active voice, which means you're using verbs to get the reader into the mindset of what that experience will be like. So for example, instead of the mentioned adjectives I pointed out, you could say something like, after hard days of work, when you slink into this amazing chair, you won't want to leave it for the rest of the night. Now that indicates that it's soft and comfortable and easy to um, slink into, but it also gets the customer in the frame of mind of, hey, I have long days all the time. I just want to come home and I just want to like flop on a couch or chair and watch TV and zone out for hours, right? Like 
that's the kind of thing people can relate to. So if you can turn that passive voice into more active voice, you actually are more likely to sell that product because you are catering to their emotions and people purchase stuff with emotions. Yeah, I can definitely see somebody buying a chair based on its comfortability and then kind of just envisioning it. I would even say a very unique way to put it. It's like, this couch is so comfortable, you'll never need to actually see a therapist again because it's the best support system you'll get in your entire life. See, you could do a copyright on yourself, Josh. <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy. Uh, so speaking of blogs, one thing that I've noticed about blogs in the past when I'm reading them is that they have like this kind of Nancy Drew feel to them where it's like they want you to turn the page, they'll have you turn to page 87 to figure out what the rest of the story is. What are your thoughts about linking out in, in blogs? and how that actually will either benefit or harm the brand. By linking out, you mean adding like anchor links and backlinks? Yes. Okay. There have been very controversial ideas behind this. Some say that with a lot of the new features, especially with Google, because they've changed a lot of stuff very recently, that backlinks aren't really, or hyperlinks aren't as effective as they used to be and don't play a huge role in SEO. But other people you talk to say it's incredibly important and it really helps your SEO. I personally think that even if it doesn't help with SEO, I do think that it's important to establish credibility with your blogs. So if you're going to make references to something or if you're going to quote something or if you're going to make a claim, you need to back that up. So it always helps to have your information linked to some other article or some other company that provides that information so that you have credibility behind your blog or article or whatever you're doing. I'm not sure if that answered your question very well, but... No, you, you gave a pretty concise answer. You know, you're saying that it may not be as effective as it used to be, but some people still find value in it. Obviously, if you're going to put like scientific sources or medical claims, you want to be able to back that up versus just, you know, just kind of putting that message in body and then not really having any sources to provide to the reader at the end of the day. What about your thoughts on personas for brands? So I imagine that you're doing a lot of copywriting for a lot of affluent brands. You have to be able to match the language that you're pushing out in this content to what the brand identity is. How do you go about navigating that and narrowing down what the brand actually is? So it's funny when I talk to a lot of my clients, that's one of the first questions I ask is what is your company's voice? And what's interesting is most companies actually don't know it. They know what their product is. They know what it does. They know like everything about it inside and out. They know how they want to market it, all that stuff. But like when it comes to actual voice, they don't really have a solid answer for me. And the reason finding your voice or your avatar is so important is because you need continuity throughout your business, whether you're on social media, whether you're on Amazon, whether you have your own webpage, you want consistency through all that. And it's hard to do that if you haven't maintained how you want to present yourself, right? One of my favorite forms of writing is putting out quality information that's informative, but also having some kind of spunk to it, having like a little color and character to it. I think that adds a human touch to it that makes it relatable to people, right? Because a lot of people, when they're reading information, you know, obviously they want to learn something, 
But a lot of the information out there is so drab and it just feels like it's droning on and on. So adding color and a little bit of fun into it, I think, and it depends. Like if that's not your voice in your company, like totally understood. I'm not saying this is for everyone. But what I would say is regardless of what kind of company or business you have, you need to figure out a way to stand out. Okay. Because being professional, which is what pretty much everyone says, I want a professional voice. Well, that's great. But like, how does that make you stand out in any way from all the other blogs out there, from all the other listing ops out there? Like, how are you going to set yourself apart so that people can relate to your content and actually want to buy your product or service? Yeah, it sounds like what you're doing, obviously, is taking the corporate voice out of the content that you're, they're trying to produce because you don't want the content to come out and be like, hi there, brand here. Uh, and, and brand wants to talk to you about this because we have this product or service that we want to offer you at the bottom. And just making it a bit more personal, humanizing the process and letting them know that you're actually talking with a real legitimate person who understands what your wants, needs, and values are, or whatever kind of problem that you're having right now. We're here to actually solve it with, with quality content. And by the way, you can purchase this as well, too. With that being said, I want to, I want to bring it back to storytelling. How does storytelling uh, in, in, in copywriting and in blogging tie into, like, let's say, listing optimization, where it has that show versus tell aspect? So I actually recommend for people doing product listings, especially, I know this is kind of a little bit off topic, but with their photography, for example, like when you go through the images on your listing or when a customer goes through the images, you really want to tell like a story through those images. Yes, use graphics and stuff, but a lot of people would say, oh, you're just showing off the benefits or the features. And I would argue that people, again, purchase with emotion, right? Say you're selling a tent, for example. Okay, so this tent is a six-person tent. Why is that important? Well, it's important because you know that with that 6% tent, you can bring the whole family along. And when you know you can bring the whole family along, that introduces that concept in the reader's mind of, oh, family time. Like, this is a great way to spend time with my family. So that is bettering that person's life through the feature of it being large, okay? Or if it's an easy pop-up tent that doesn't take long to set up, you can show through your content and your images that, yes, the feature is that it pops up really quickly, but the benefit of that is that you can actually spend less time fixing up stuff and spend more time with your family or spend more time like around the fire drinking beers, you know, like you need to make that connection of, okay, here's the story of how your camping trip is going to go. And if you can see yourself through every step of the way, enjoying that storyline and relating to it, that's going to sell your product 10 times faster than explaining how durable the zippers are or how waterproof prove the top of the tent is. No, that's a, that's a perfect way to describe it. So I'm going to, I'm going to tie this in. I'm going to make this a, a kind of an ROI question. If a picture in a listing is worth a thousand words, what's the, uh, what's a blog worth in ROI sense? Um, it again, depends on what the purpose is behind your blog. So most people will write blogs for three reasons. 
they write a blog for knowledge purposes to explain, you know, whatever it is that you're selling or the service you're offering. Um, so it's either knowledge based, it's entertainment based. So you just want to get someone to enjoy it, laugh, um, share it with their friends, whatever, or it's to sell your company. So with blogs, you really need to figure out what the purpose of the blog is. And usually I recommend not trying to make it salesy. That would be one thing I would say stay clear of because people sniff that out right away. <laughs> so you start dropping hints halfway through well, like the first three sentences into the blog and be like, oh, by the way, we're going to talk about this subject. Uh, but don't worry, we have a solution for you at the bottom. Just keep on reading. Right, exactly. Not to say that you can't mention your product at the end, but like you definitely want to make it so that people are getting something out of it. Like they're gaining knowledge out of your blog, if that's what your goal is. If your goal is for entertainment, of course, then most likely you want people to share your blogs or the blogs that you're reading so that they become viral and that more people see them. So I don't know if I, I feel like I kind of dodged your question in a really roundabout way. <laughs> you totally dodged the question. No, it was, it was, it was cool. You actually gave some pretty good tidbits, right? So people obviously write blogs for three apparent reasons. It's knowledge based, it's entertainment based, and it's either meant to sell. What I was asking was like the ROI benefit of a blog uh, when it comes down to it, you know, a lot of people, they're going to spend a lot of time focusing on their listing on Amazon because that's where they see the most bang for their buck. Uh, I want to know how blogs actually can transform businesses because I feel like this is an underutilized tool in this space. And this is great for brand building, especially with a lot of Amazon sellers and with, the, with aggregators popping up left and right. You know, the valuation of your brand can easily explode by having quality content and an audience that's right behind it. That's like either on Facebook, Instagram, whether it's like video content, written content, whatever that may be. So I feel like this is something that people really need to actually take the time and pay attention to and actually get somebody to, to help them out with that. With that being said, I definitely want to ask you this question. With attention spans shrinking due to like the rise of certain platforms, TikTok, Instagram, stuff like that, where people are just constantly consuming video content. What are your thoughts about the future of writing? And is, is blogging going to die off or is writing just going to be essentially a nerd in a couple of years? I don't think so. It's definitely something people ask me all the time. And I certainly understand why people are concerned about it or maybe think it'll become an obsolete need in the future. You know, it's funny too, because we have the software programs like Conversation IO, I believe it's called, that actually writes stuff for you. It's just, you know, a machine that writes your content for you. So there's definitely that little bit of fear as a copywriter that it won't be necessary in the future. However, even using, because I've used a lot of those programs before, I have found that, again, it gets back to you need character. Like you can provide informative quality content, but if the reader is bored out of their mind, it doesn't matter. Your knowledge base is lost. So I really, really, and it's kind of like my main pillar is I really encourage people to step outside the lines and try to be creative and unique and even push boundaries. You know, people are so scared nowadays to offend someone or to lose some of their niche audience. But what you'll find is that if you can really 
niche down your voice and you can really come up with, based on that voice, you can come up with a whole marketing strategy and plan around that. Then your niche might grow smaller, but it'll be more powerful because people, when they like what they see and they like your service and product, and they think that you're relatable and funny, like they're the ones that will continually come back and buy your products. So, and those are the customers you want are the ones that aren't one-time buyers. They're the ones that are going to be evangelicals to your brand, you know? So. Yeah. And, and those raving fans will actually help you find more raving fans because they'll love your content. They'll love your products exactly. and they'll be able to actually push your services for you and save you a lot of time. This is something I was talking with Paul about um, not too long ago. But what I find really interesting is that copywriting can be used in so many different formats outside of just writing blogs or writing essays or doing listing optimization or like trimming up your title or anything like that. Tell me some of the unique cases where you've done copywriting that are just completely outside of the bubble. I don't know about necessarily unique. Some of the ones I like to write, the ones I enjoy writing for are the ones that are trying to create campaigns. For example, I'm working with a company right now that does uh, leisure wear and active wear for women with incontinence issues, sweat issues, you know, period issues, all that stuff. Um, and the focus is obviously on the clothing, but what we're trying to create now is building like a movement around that so that it empowers women as a whole and it gives the people that are interested in it a sense of community, a sense of autonomy, a sense of confidence. And so creating those campaigns have been really, really fun and challenging. So I like doing stuff like that. I really enjoy doing funny blogs. It's just at heart, I love humor and I love sarcasm, as you know, Josh. <laughs> so some of my favorite clients will be like, I mean, even for you guys, I wrote a blog a few days ago about um, the 50 funniest reviews on Amazon. And that was really fun to write. So I guess I really like writing any kind of work. There's just... And that's what I like about my job is that there's so many different avenues and types of work that you can do. It's just fun, challenge yourself and try new things. Danny McMillan had me write an avatar for a few of his products. So that was interesting. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Subtle name drop. What? Subtle name drop. Yeah. <laughs> Now, it sounds like with, especially with this woman's brand, you're actively on this campaign to remove the stigma around these natural things that women actually go through with their life and actually make it seem like it's okay to actually have this. You don't have to feel embarrassed about it. But if you do have this, don't worry, we got your back. We got some awesome stuff down here. You can get like 15% off XYZ, right? So I think that's really interesting that you're doing something like that. What definitely want to touch on a little bit more is... Going into the aspect of features over benefits and why this is actually going to uh, definitely benefit your business a little bit more versus, excuse me, the other way around, benefits over features and how this is actually going to benefit your business a little bit more. And I'll let you take it from there. I'm going to write down a couple more questions. I would say that, again, people purchase products based on their emotion and to further that, they base it on if this product is going to make their lives easier and if it's going to make it better, that's it. That's what people want in life. So uh, saying something like, so you'll have a, let's say a computer bag saying that the zipper is 
specialized and double stitched or whatever, or that the canvas is made, you know, with a special kind of coating, all this stuff is important, but like, you have to explain why it's important. Like, why would someone care about how the zipper works or why would someone care about how many pockets it has? Because at the end of the day, you're answering the how and the why. So the why is the benefit and the how is the features. That's definitely some good information. What I think is uh, really unique about what you're doing is that even though most people learn at a very early age how to read and write, to be able to take it to a high level skill like that and to be able to actually just constantly churn out content has to come from some unique place. So where do you find your motivation or your inspiration to continually just produce massive amounts of content? Part of it is just that it, in part of it, it's just, it comes naturally to me. It's, you know, there's people out there, you know, like you, Josh, you know, you know, coding and math and stuff like that. Like your brain just understands that and you can do that stuff really, really fast. You're just a natural at it. I am just naturally good at coming up with content that makes sense for that particular client and then for that audience. I enjoy doing it. It's a challenge. If you're going to ask me where I'm inspired by, I that's such a hard question to answer because I've been writing for so long that I think it just comes from a lot of different aspects of the types of stuff I've written. Like I even write poetry. Like I love writing poetry, you know, like, and I do think that real life situations are really good to add into your copy. So for example, I wrote a listing actually this morning where I said, some, I was talking about Amazon and how you could just throw back in the day, you could just throw whatever on Amazon and sell it. But I compared it to throwing a piece of bologna at a wall and hoping it sticks, right? Which is like a weird analogy, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. Like, it's just one of those things that like, that's going to stand out in your head. Like, that's an image that you can like relate to, or even if you've never done it, like you can actually kind of laugh at the thought and then circle it or compare it back to an Amazon listing being thrown up. You know, so that's the kind of unique stuff I like to do. Just take random worldly life experiences and enter it into content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously making it relatable with the baloney on the wall. I was thinking like maybe spaghetti on the wall. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever done that. You know, see if it actually it sticks. Uh, see if it's cooked all the way. You just take like some spaghetti and you throw it at the wall and then you ruin your wall at the same time because you realize that you shouldn't have put oil in the water. But I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up with this. Tell me some of your favorite authors or some of the, uh, the best books that you've ever read, written. I love Charles Dickinson. My favorite book of all time. It's funny because I actually recently was telling Tim this. Because Every, everyone always asks me, they're like, what's the best book you've read to help you succeed in life or what motivates you? And they always expect me to say a uh, like entrepreneurial book or self-motivation book. And I actually have found my favorite book of all time is a book called Shantaram. Um, it is written by Gregory. I know I'm going to forget his last name, but... Um, just remember the name Shantaram. It is based on his real story of escaping federal prison in Australia and becoming a refuge in India. 
And so it really goes into the culture of India, the poverty, the judicial system, the way life is there. It gets into war, sex, like everything you could want in like a really good book. But the reason I bring it up is because throughout this book, he is constantly met with serious tribulations and trials and experiences that really break him to his limit, essentially. And his whole philosophy is nothing can bring you down. It's all about mind over matter. It's all about understanding who you are and how you react to society or to certain situations. And I think those are really, really important things to acknowledge and to try to implement into your own lives, especially if you're an entrepreneur. And um, because we all have gone through like all kinds of hardships and struggles, and it really is a mental game and it takes its toll on you. So I just found that book to be incredibly inspiring. That's what I would recommend. Yeah, we'll definitely make sure that we put that information in uh, the uh, podcast and in uh, the YouTube video for this. And McLean, I just want to thank you for coming on here and telling us a little bit about your journey as a copywriter, how you've had such a long and lengthy history in the Amazon game, and how you've managed to evolve past just being a listing optimization specialist for either a particular company or your ex-company and how you're doing your own thing now. I think that's an incredible journey, similar to the one that you're talking about in Shatar. Um, so with that being said, if you guys want to find out more about McLean, you can head on over to therightbuzz.com and you can check her out on Facebook. She has a Facebook page for blogging services. You can check her out. You can read some of our blogs over at Elite Seller. They're absolutely hilarious. I've helped her write, write a couple, but she gets most of the credit for it because she's definitely the one that's doing all the real work on it. And yeah, if you guys are uh, enjoying this podcast, make sure you head on over to EliteSeller.com, sign up for a 14-day free trial. Make sure you use the code JOSH15 at checkout so you can start running the business like the CEO that we know that you are. Thanks for joining us. Thanks.